0: Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Have you ever heard of the term optimistic? Of course you have, right? Have you ever heard of the term naive optimism? Yeah, that's right. Where you're optimistic, you're really excited about the future, really happy, but you're being naive. Naive optimism can be really dangerous because that means you're hoping for things naively. You're not really honest. You think you're doing well. but Boy, you're going in the wrong direction. I have been there. I have had all kinds of assumptions. I've been optimistic about God's blessing in my life, finances, my health. Oh, man, relationships, friendships. And I was being naive. I was optimistic, but I was naive. So I'll talk about that today. Matthew chapter four is where the study will be. I've been there with you before, but this is going to be really important. Stay with me today. I've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be really good. Well, welcome back. Glad you're with us. Listen, we have a lot to talk about today because I'm going to talk about something that I started on a few weeks ago. I did the sermon and I was talking about uh, fear. And in talking about fear, I, I really um, dwelt on Matthew chapter four. And I went through the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And I and I focused on the fact that God doesn't want us to be afraid. I told a story about how I went to this particular place and how I, I got around all these people, and I was very uncomfortable. and Because during this season, when we've been kind of distancing, uh, it was, for me, the first time I was around all these people. And at and in, in the end of that experience, I came away, I, and I, I felt this moment where I felt pressed in my heart, Temple, you can't be that afraid. You can't be afraid of people. I'm a people person, believe me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert for sure. And I love people. I get a lot out of it but in that moment I struggled and I had stopped literally my family had to wait on me I said Look, just give me a minute guys I need to just pray and I, and I just stopped and, and I just just spoke a word to myself and in that moment I, I felt relieved I went on had a good day but it taught me a lot and I believe very strongly that there are fears that we face so here's the question again this is called what are you afraid of part two in our study And uh, so this is going to be the second part to that sermon I did some weeks ago. And I wanted to specifically talk about something that I didn't emphasize in the first part of that sermon. The first sermon. I want to talk about something called naive. You ready? Optimism. We are supposed to be positive people. True. We walk by faith and not by sight. I get that. God did not give us the spirit of fear in Timothy. I got that, too. Okay. Those things are obvious. I get that. But there is a culture of optimism that Christians have that's pretty amazing. In many ways, it's naive. So, for example, um, let's say you don't exercise at all and you are optimistic about your health. You're naive. You're, You're not healthy because you're not trying to do anything physical to to work on this gift that God gave you. Uh, Let's say you, you you're optimistic about your finances, but you don't save money. You're naive. You're just naive. I mean, you're not going to have much in terms of resources because you're not a saver. You have to set aside resources. You can't live off of everything you make. You're naive. And what's really amazing to me, if I look back at my life, there were many moments when I was sincere, but I was naive. I meant well, but I was naive. And so that's the question for you today. Are you a naive person? Are you a fearful person? Are you a person who's not fearful, but you probably should be? If you zoomed in close, there is a reason to be afraid. I want to make a statement. I want you to just kind of read the statement I put on the screen for you. Here's something that I've been thinking about lately. For years, Christians have been taught the importance of walking by faith, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. However, during this difficult season, Uh, that we've been living in lately, many Christians have developed a culture of naive optimism. Jesus modeled a balanced approach that gives us victory over fear, but deep respect for danger. Jesus was not a person who took unnecessary risk. He took risk for things that were important, but he wasn't foolish. There's a statement years ago, you know, faith or foolishness. And And a lot of times what we're doing in the name of faith is foolish. And I, I don't know that you're. I don't know that we are always able to rise to that level of honesty. Down the road, I'm going to do a sermon about maturity and honesty and how important those two are to blend them together. But let me, if I can, go back in our studies a little bit and let me define a couple of things for you. The word "fear" that's used in the New Testament is the word "phobos," and the word "phobos" really has two basic meanings. It really has to do with being terrified. But also means to be reverential. And if you get those two together you, you'll be okay. Now I, again I talked about this a few weeks ago but I want to just reiterate it again to review it so you can understand that there are two things I want you to see. There are times in your life when you need to be terrified. Snakes coming at you, a lion's trying to eat you for lunch, you should be terrified, you should, you should run. But then there are times when the Bible calls you to be reverential and it's described in, in three ways in Scripture. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And I want to show you a Bible story where this is illustrated of that. But let me, if I can, uh, read the text, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And then we'll come back and show you how all that fear fit, fit fit into it. And I did this again, and I'm just reviewing a little bit of what I did in part 1. Then Jesus was led, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So he's hungry, he's he's famished, and and so then the temptations start rolling out. And what you're going to see in here is this incredible example of how to rise above the temptations, the fears that come at you. His responses were phenomenal. It shows us what to do. And you'll see that he's not naive. That's what I want you to notice. He's not naive. He's not just running at things and acting out he's very cool very calm very collected and so we're going to see reverential fear we're going to see wise fear and we're going to see damaging fear okay it's going to all be manifested in just a minute Deuteronomy give you a side verse Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 this is a side verse it says for the Lord your God fear the Lord your God serve him only and take your oaths in his name that's reverential fear fear the Lord your God Serve him only. That's that reverence. I reverence God so much that I only serve you. Then there's wise fear. This verse, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. says this. The prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and, and pay the penalty. Wise fear foresees wrong. They foresee what can happen. Boy, if I keep going that way, I'll fall off the cliff. That's wise. And your fear of falling off the cliff makes you stop. You're prudent. And then damaging fear as when you don't pay attention and that we'll see in our studies. Uh, There's a verse I gave you in the last study, first John four, 16 through 18 that says that, and there is no fear in love verse 18, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made mature, perfect in love. So in first John chapter four, verse 18, there's that strong, simple word, Fear is tormenting, the King James says. It is not good for you. It's damaging to you. So there's reverential fear in Scripture. There's wise fear in Scripture. And then there's damaging fear. But in Jesus' illustration, where we are today in Matthew chapter 4, the enemy comes to him and his intent is to get him to make an incredibly unwise decision. He starts out in chapter 4. And again, I want to review verse 3. The tempter came to him saying, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread And Jesus responded to him and say, no, I'm not going to listen to your voice. He's very clear. He said, I'm I'm, I'm not going to just allow you to encourage me. I only live by the word of God, not out of your advice. And so watch, watch how he responds to the temptation to somehow make an unwise choice. Notice he is focused. He is clear and he is not going to be led astray. He is not naive. He knows who to listen to. God's voice, not everybody else's voice. Now, notice with me. In verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point. This is Matthew, chapter four, verse five, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and then they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. That is the second temptation. Now, this is the one we're going to camp on the most because Jesus is going to say no to that too. Don't tempt the Lord your God. That's what he's going to say to him. I'm not going to do that. I'll come back to that in just a minute. The third temptation he says to him, he says again, verse 8 of Matthew chapter 4, uh, he took him to the very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth world and their splendor. And this he said, "I will give you if you will bow down and worship me." Again, he's trying to get him to think short term. Jesus says, "No, I'm not doing any of that." Please notice all three times in Matthew four, he says no because the enemy is trying to get him to be naive. Naive. And, and and the most pointed one to me was the second temptation where he said to him in verse 5, he said, I want you to jump off of this temple. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. I want you to take this risk. Now, in, in all of these examples, you see one amazing thing. Jesus is not naive. It is my conviction that somehow, in the way we've trained Christians, we've made them naive. There are a number of areas where they just don't think all the way through. And some of it is, is covered over in the name of faith. Some of it is, is a, a passive attitude towards real facts. And there's this, this incredible set of uh, behaviors that we've developed. And it's manifesting in our churches. It's manifesting in a number of ways. I have been surprised. And I, what I want to do is list for you some things that I, I've just kind of come to see. And I, they've really kind of spoken to me in the last um, <laughs> uh, last month, uh, several months. I call these naive, op, naive examples. And there are three of them. And, and I want to be um, careful how I say this, but it's really important to me that you hear what I'm about to say. So please be clear. I don't believe that we're supposed to be operating in in a fearful attitude. I get that. I believe that we're supposed to be confident people. I believe we're supposed to be truthful people. I believe that I should, I should look at my future and say, man, I'm going to have a great future. I believe that I should, I should be confident. I believe in all that. And I'm going to do an entire series on it. And I can't wait to to jump into that topic because I think some people are too negative. But I've also come to believe that we are too optimistic. We're not really... <laughs> We're just not, we're not, we're not honest. So here we go. My three, three things that I would say are examples of our seasons of naive optimism. Three examples. Number one, we assume naively that we could do great ministry without great resources. We assumed. And, and I want to say, I, uh, as a leader of a church with a whole bunch of people, just thought, do the work of God, um, and we had these little catchy sayings like, um, uh, Money follows vision. Vision doesn't follow money. So in other words, you don't have to budget. You can just have a vision. I'm going to build a building. But you don't have to look at your money. I'm going to get a man. But you don't have to, you know, fix yourself up or act a certain way. You can just be you. Um, I'm going to get a good job because you want it. Because I went to college because I'm smart. Okay. All that's nice, but... uh, If you don't have the resources for some of the things you pray for and want, they'll never happen. So let me read it again. We assumed naively that we could do great ministry without great resources. You can't do some things without the right people in your life, without the right amounts of cash savings. You have to save money. You you, you have to have cash to do this, to do this. This This costs a lot of money. All this. And, and, and so um, you've got the right people. And, and I've learned this. <laughs> God can't bring certain people into your life because you don't like those kind of people because they, they challenge you too much. They, they say things that bother you. you. You don't like it that way. You want it to be easy and simple. You, 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 you can't, you will never have certain things. Our church, our ministry, if it doesn't have the right resources, you want to do great things? You have to have great resources. You want, you want, some of you want to do things, but you don't have enough education. You, for what you want to do, I didn't say that you can't do anything great. I'm just saying the thing you've named requires an education because you said you want to be a school teacher. You have to have a degree. Sorry. You want to be a principal. That's a doctorate degree. Masters or above. I mean, that's just what that requires. If you say that's what you want. Now, you're naive if you think you can be that without those things. That's what I mean by naive optimism. Okay? Number two, second example. We assume naively that we could last for years without working, watch this now, we assume that we can, we can, we can last for years working and exhausting at an exhausting pace. So what we can do is kill ourselves. I mean, just kill ourselves. It's always working, always ripping. I, I, I mean, some of you do too much. When the last time you just stopped and did nothing, do you have a nothing day ever, ever? I, 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 you're being naive if you think you can work at an exhausting pace and survive. You won't, no. You won't eat right. Your, your health will get you. Uh, you don't save any money. You don't, you don't have the right people in your life. It's, it's going to collapse. It's just going to crumble all down, fall apart. Because you don't have the right pieces in the right places. I always say success comes in pieces. You have to put the right pieces in the right places. And sometimes you are naively assuming you're optimistic. You got faith. You got Bible verses. You're going to church all the time, claiming the word, speaking the word of God over your life, whatever you do. And, but you're not going to ever get there because you're exhausted. You're too tired. You need to go take a nap. Third example. We assumed naively that we would stay young and never really grow old. Aging was for other people. <laughs> you know, today, today, I'm, I'm, I'm 63. I can't believe that. I've seen, man, born April 26, write this down, 1958. And I am 63 years old. I am stunned. I still can run. Yay, I'm still pretty healthy. Yay. But, man, I, you know, when I tell people my age, normally what they go is, wow. <laughs> they used to say, they used to say, you don't look your age. Now they don't say that anymore, you know. Yeah, you could be up and, you know, you're getting up and up. You're not like where you used to be. I mean, I really used to look really young for my age. But that's changed. Man, things be done changed in my life. and And I, and I, Aging, aging. I, I'm studying it because I believe I believe in studying ahead of your season. A lot of people get in trouble because they don't know, you know, they get to a certain season and they're confused. So I believe if you're 20, you study about 20-year-olds. You're 30, you study about 30s. I believe you study about, you know, what it means. And a lot of people that are in my age bracket, they're miserable. Oh God! Wow! Ooh! that's are ooh sad. Just depressed. Just everything's. And a lot of it was because they didn't prepare to be older. They didn't prepare. They're not. That's what I'm really conscious of right now. And if I'm not careful, I'll be naive. I'll be fine. How do you know you're going to be fine? You're not going to be fine. Your mind's going to still wonder and be depressed if you don't learn to put something in your mind. If you let your mind wander around like a car with no direction, you have to drive your mind like you drive your car. You have to begin to say to yourself, if I don't, if I, if I am not careful, I'll be naively Optimistic, And when I get to my 60s, 70s, I won't be healthy. I won't have any money. I won't have any resources. I won't have the right people in my life. And I will miss God's blessing. I, I just, and I think you should be afraid of that. I, I am. Did you say you're afraid? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to get up every morning and be depressed and, and hoping somebody's going to call me. And, 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 and I mean, I want my children I hope they're listening. I mean, I want them to reach out to me, but I, I'm not going to wait for them to call me. I'm not. I got my own life. I'm not, I'm not waiting. Even though they do, they're good people. We love each other. All of We're close, okay? We don't, don't read nothing into that. We're all good. Love Ricky. Love Christina. Love my little grandbaby, Melani. We're all good. Diane and I have a great relationship. Probably the best marriage we've had in our lives. Yes, we do. It's all good. But here's the problem. At the end of it all, I, they, I, they can't live my life for me. I can't live my life through them. Through their successes and and challenges, I have to have my own life. And for some older people, they have no plans of having their own life. They just, you know, follow their children around. Where are you going? Okay. Well, I'm going with you. I'm not against going with your kids, but I just believe in having my own life, my own friends, my own future. And so I'm working on that. That's just me. I'm not against being with your kids. Don't read that wrong. Okay. Uh, Nothing wrong. I think it's good to have grandmama and granddaddy around. It's great but you're not going to always be there. And I don't need to be depressed because you can't be there for a day. Sorry. I have to live my life. I close with these thoughts. Three smart, four really smart steps we should take immediately. And I want to talk about this because I want to describe to you what I think are our immediate steps. Now, as a church, you know, I've, I've learned a lot as a pastor. And there are moments when you have to make certain Bold steps. And so these are what I call four bold steps that we should take, should should make, take whatever right now, immediately. Number one, we should work to build, and this is this is really for our members. I want you to hear this as a church. We should should work to build more small groups. We we need to work. That would be we're we're naive, the optimistic if we don't have more small groups. Churches think in terms of battalions, companies, large, large enterprises. And, and that's, to me, unhealthy. I, I, I am convinced, I wrote, this, I wrote this thing, and so I want to find something for you that I, I did the other day. I call it Army Insights, right? And, and in this thing, I had my staff put together this wonderful little presentation where it listed how the Army trains its people. So they have squads, one of my members, Brother Edness, bless my brother. We were talking, and it just, this thing popped in my head. It was powerful when we were talking about how they train people. And he's ex-military. He says, Pastor, we, we train in squads, four to, four to ten people. Four to ten, that's a squad. And, and then they have, if uh, you, you take four squads, right, you get to platoons, right? That's 16 to 40 soldiers. And then you have a company that you do it four more times. Right. And then you get 100. That's 100 to 200. And then a battalion is 500 to 900. A brigade is three thousand to five thousand soldiers. A division is 10,000 to 18,000 soldiers. So that's that we're talking about. But the big conversation he and I had was about the squad That You know, Jesus had Peter, James and John and then him four. that's the squad. And that he trained in small groups. Part of our problem as a church, part of our problem as a, as in, in this Christian environment, we think in terms of battalions. We're always trying to get a battalion together, you know, a division, 10,000 members of my church. You can't train 10,000 people. Can you imagine 10,000 people all together in an arena? Okay, we're going to show you how to use the M16 today. Everybody can load up, and we're going to shoot at a target. You're going to kill each other in there. You can't, it's too many people. You need a squad. You need four people. You need a target. You need space. You, you, can't, you can't know their names. We have right at 3,000 active members in our church. I'm glad you folks are a part of our church. You didn't abandon us during the season. Thank you. God bless you. But, you know, you, in order for us to really do the work of God, help you grow which is, and, and become more mature, which is what the next series is about, maturing, the only way that's going to happen is that you've you got to get in squads, small groups. So I want some of you to think about this. We're going to offer more small groups coming up in the next several months. Join. Jump in. Or or even get your own squad. I don't know. If you can't join with us, get with some three or four people and talk about the word. Grow together. Pray together. There's something about that. Some of us, we, we hide in these big environments. And there's nothing wrong with them. And we're going to have some big gatherings. I'm not against that. But I think it's important. So here's smart steps that we can take immediately. Smart steps. Number one, we need, we should build more small groups. You need to build that in your life. You need to be part of a squad. Where's your squad? Name them. Name the four people that you interact with. The three people. You need that in your life. Pray for it. Number two, ready? Smart things we should do. Work to build stronger cash reserves in your life. If you really are going to (laughs) have, you should fear not having a squad. and the sermon title is called what are you afraid of I I fear not having a squad I've got to have a squad a group of people that I interact with secondly I fear I fear not having reserves not having you know it's one thing to have to call the bank could you guys loan me a ten thousand dollars I need ten thousand dollars or it's one thing to call Ricky that's a better phone call hey Rick can you loan me ten thousand you need it for yeah sure Rick and then you loan it to yourself that's there you go you need to build some reserves you need to stop living on everything you, you need to build assets you need to own property you need to not stop renting you need to get to a place where you can own a, own a house for real at some point in your life the biggest question is not what I have y'all know why we like to admire people I hear, boy I heard you got a nice house there I heard you got nice car what do you have your your assets forget what somebody else has what's in your name they ask you a question on one of the commercials what's in your pocket <laughs> trying to get you to get a credit card you got debt in your pocket that's what you got what's in your pocket is not yours that's not your money that's that man's money and you're going to, have to pay him back at 18, 20 and 30 percent that's ridiculous that is, not, that is not success that's fake not real been there, done that know what it feels like I'm telling you I have survived my madness thank you Jesus but I've learned what's true I have a little saying: Cash is not credit, and credit is not cash. You know, you got to, some alarms should go off, and right now you need to pause and get a, get a grip on this. You're being naively optimistic. Naive optimism, get you. You should fear that. Number three, we should work as a church, right, to build stronger youth, a stronger youth department. We need to invest more in youth and young adults. Now we already invest. A lot we are we all we weigh we, we down the road we, 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 we you can see it in our staff structure you can see it in our staff we have we have um, a large full-time and part-time staff we have a good time size staff we have a good size staff for young people and we have just begun if you don't invest in the youth in your life you're being naively optimistic your family should be investing in the young people in your family. Your family should be trying to send the young people to college. Your family should spend time with the young people. That's what you should be focused on. Man, I got to get out of here. I got to finish. That's the mistake. Churches aren't doing it during the season. They haven't invested in young people. They're investing in older people because I guess they give offerings. There, there's no focus. They've gone for months, months, and not even talked to the young people at all. That is tragic me you should fear that. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of forgetting the young people. I'm afraid of forgetting my children, my grandkids. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid of not caring. Pastor Ricky keeps saying you're afraid I am. And you should be, too. And if you're not, you're naive. If you're the kind of person who's not saving any money and you're not afraid of that, you're naive. If you're the kind of person who's not, you don't have a squad, you're naive. If you don't have anybody that you deal with, you're just you and yourself, all by yourself, and you holy and spiritual, and there's nobody that can speak into your life, you're not wise. That's naive optimism. Wow. Last one. <laughs> you should be working, we should be working to build strong believers, mature believers. That's what we should be working on. And that's what I'm going to take on next week. I'm starting a whole new series. What maturity demands. If you want to be a mature person, if you want to be all grown up, you want to be a big boy, a big girl, it demands some things of you. And I'm going to take you to the book of Acts chapter one. And I going to show you it demands something. You will not be mature without without sacrifice. You want to be a big boy, big girl, want to have big money, want to have God's blessing in your life? It requires something of you. And it is always squeezing me. Humble down. Be quiet. Pray. Back up. Say you're sorry. Think about it again. Change your mind. Let them talk. Don't talk all the time. That's what it requires. If you really want God's blessing in your life, you're praying for a husband, you're praying for a man, you never have a man in your life. If you're not willing to allow anybody to talk to you, you can't have that job. You can't make that kind of money because you're not mature enough. If you want God's blessing at that level, it's going to require something of you. And so you've got to decide. You've got to decide. Let me pray for you. Father, help us today. Help us to have reverential fear. Help us to reverence the things that we need to reverence. Things we need to respect. Help us as a church to get what we need to get. Help us in our families, in our communities. God, we have a lot to do. We have a long way to go. Guide us through this season. We thank you and praise you in advance for your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've talked about it, you've heard me preach about it, now I want you to think about it. In your life, have you been naively optimistic? What would be smart for you to do in your life today? What changes should you make? What would be some smart decisions for you? I was honest about our decisions, some things that we as a church should do, some things that I need to do as a pastor, as a person, as a man, as a husband. What about you? In your life you've been optimistic but you're being naive because you're not really taking care of your health. You're really not trying hard enough to keep yourself in line financially. There are a lot of things in your life that you maybe need to sit down and say, you know, I'm optimistic. I believe I have a great future. But if I look at my actions, I'm being naive because my actions and my optimism don't line up. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment of breakthrough for them today where they would say, you know, he's right. I've been optimistic, but I've been naive. And so I pray, God, that this would be a breaking moment for all of us, a moment where we become honest with you and really face the truth about the things we need to do and the decisions we need to make. And so I ask your blessing upon this time today in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'm really glad you came and joined me on On Demand. I hope you come back again and allow the word of God to bless your life. See you next time.